You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WGUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gary Harris Show. For this Monday, January 29, 2024, I'm your host, Gary Harris. I got my main man, Justin Jones. Justin Jones right there in the control room. He is taking care of business this morning, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condominiums hotline in this first hour at 205-342-9904. It is a jam-packed Monday. It's a beautiful Monday. The sun is back after several days of either rain and or clouds, uh, sunshine today. It's cool, but uh, a really nice morning. Glad to be with you. And uh, as I said, we're loaded. We'll get to the rundown here in just a second. Talk about uh, the AFC and NFC championship games, the Super Bowl preview, and more. And uh, I will say right off the top, I was wrong in both picks. I picked the Ravens and the Lions. Maybe it was wishful thinking because the uh, two teams that have been in this position quite often are, uh, in fact, this is a rematch from just a a couple of years ago with um, the Chiefs and the Lions as uh, they advanced to the Super Bowl. And for the Chiefs, it's a uh, fourth Super Bowl in the last five years. And um, certainly Kansas City now has taken on the um, aura of a team that um, if they win in two weeks will, you know, certainly be in the dynasty conversation. Six straight AFC championship games and now, of course, Super Bowl in the last five years trying to win, trying to win their uh, win their third. So uh, they're certainly in that position. But we'll talk about how both those teams got to this point. Uh, We'll have the latest on Alabama football. And I'll run it down the lineup for you here in just a moment. But first, I need to tell you, as always, this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It really is just a better way of banking. Alabama Credit Union. Find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. We'll get by and see them at one of their many locations around the great state of Alabama, including their main office right here in Tuscaloosa. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, it was uh, Championship Sunday. In the AFC game, the Chiefs held off the Ravens 17-10 to to move on to the Super Bowl. And in the NFC Championship game, really a, a crazy, crazy game. Uh, the Lions were up 24-7 at half, had dominated the first half. And you felt like, even though you knew San Francisco would uh, would make a comeback at home, you couldn't have foreseen what had happened, and that was that uh, they would score 27 unanswered points there uh, in the in the second half. And uh, I don't know. Uh, wound up kind of. Not only did the 49ers play well, but the Lions collapsed. There's just no other way around it. Final 
27 consecutive points by the 49ers in the second half to make it 34 to 24. The Lions scored one late and, uh, you know, tried for the onside kick. But even on that last touchdown that the Lions scored, it looked like on a pass to the backup tight end that he would walk into the end zone. He took a bad angle, got knocked out at the one yard line. Um, and then they couldn't score right away. And they wound up even calling a run and didn't score. And that caused them to use a timeout. Even though Jamison Williams, who scored two touchdowns, three touchdowns by Alabama guys in that game, two by Jamo and one by Jameer Gibbs. But even though Williams caught a pass, they had used one of their timeouts. So it really made it a necessity to get the onside kick. If you've got three timeouts, you still have a chance to get the ball back without having to onside kick, or even if you don't get the onside kick. But that didn't happen. They uh, used the timeout before they scored on third down and, and wound up not getting the onside kick, and really the game was over at that point. So it is the uh, it is the Chiefs and the 49ers, which is what most people picked. I went the other way. I went Ravens at home, and I went Lions. Maybe the Lions was a wishful thinking pick. I really wanted to see Detroit make their first Super Bowl, and uh, it sure looked like it was good. Let me bring Justin in, because I know he was watching. Let's start with the NFC game. Justin, you look at Detroit, and you look at that first half, and even though they were up 24-7, to it should have been 28-7. to uh, Gibbs was wide open for a touchdown. And Goff, who played well, Jared Goff, the quarterback, played really well in the game. But he missed he missed Gibbs on a uh, on what would have been a surefire touchdown. He had gotten past Warner, the linebacker, was wide open in the end zone, and Goff overthrew him. And it you know it could have been twenty eight to seven instead it was twenty four to seven. But I thought the biggest play in the game. You tell me what you think. You know, obviously Gibbs had a fumble that was costly, costly. Uh, the 49ers had a had a ball hit off the helmet of a defender and and caught for a touchdown. It was or caught down to the one yard line. But it was the 49ers got the ball coming out of the third quarter, down 24-7. They drive down, but they have to take a field goal. So it's 24-10 at that point. Lions have the ball. They put together a drive. They're at, I want to say, maybe the 26 or 7-yard line, somewhere in there. They've got a fourth and two or three. Let's say fourth and three. You kick the field goal there, and, you know, it was not a long field goal, 43, 44-yarder. I mean, in good conditions, you expect to make that in the NFL. And you go back up 17 points, just like that. As much as I appreciate Dan Campbell's cavalier attitude and, and going for it all the time. In that situation, I think if you kick the field goal, you kind of you kind of stabilize your, your team in the game. You go right back up 17. Not saying the 49ers couldn't have come back and win the game, but if you go back up 27 to 10 there, you got a three-score lead. You've gotten points. It just seems like when they didn't make that. And, and listen, they called a pass. The kid could have caught the ball. Um, I can't even think of his name right now, the receiver number eight, who had a couple of drops. Another huge drop on a third down crossing pattern, but he didn't catch it. And that gave the 49ers a shot in the arm 
they go down and score a touchdown. That was the play where the long ball hit off the the um, defender and, and wound up being caught. Really, a kind of a fluke play, but it counts. And all of a sudden, it's twenty four seventeen, and it's game on. Next possession, Gibbs bad. You know, they, it never looked good. Uh, it looked like he went to the wrong side of the quarterback. Golf tried to hand off. He really never had it good in his in his body, and he wound up fumbling. And the next thing you know, you got a tie game. What about you, Justin? Did you think the, the decision? And then, and then uh, Campbell went for it again later. Uh, I thought in that case, kick the field goal, get back up by seventeen, but he didn't do it. Yeah, I, I think the way that we're evaluating the game last night, it's all very um, retrospective. I guess we're, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I think when we look back at the two big decisions to go for it on those fourth downs. Um, one to tie the game back up and another, like you said, to go back to 17, um, 10, I believe at the time. I look more at, like you just mentioned, the Josh Reynolds. That's number eight on the Lions. Those drops were critical. And if he makes the one catch to convert the fourth down, we may not be having this conversation and the Lions might be in the Super Bowl. It's just an overall failure as a team. And Dan Campbell's going to take the blame for it for the coaching because it ultimately were his decisions that led to it. Yeah, um, and he said that after the game. He, he said that, you know, I know scrutiny is going to come with this, and, and um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the heat, but uh, still, that doesn't change the outcome. And I just think, you know, I, I thought a lot about it during the game because I was pulling for the Lions. And, you know, a lot of what they are as a team is because of his aggressiveness, but it got almost, you know, I'm not going to say comical. That's not the right term, but it got to the point where it was almost just, uh, you know, it was almost like, come on, man, you know, give your team the best opportunity to win the game. Um, You know, you're an underdog. Yes. But at this point, you're on top of the game. You're in control. And use a little discretion. And again, I you know, I don't mind using analytics. I, I think that they probably, you know, there's a reason they're used. But you also have to manage the game. And uh you know, it's one thing to have a team come back on you, but it's another to um help them along the way and just absolutely collapsed. You know, it wasn't quite as bad as the the Super Bowl with the Falcons and the uh, Patriots, because in that game, Atlanta was up 28-3, to three, you know, midway through the third quarter and got beat. And this was just 24-7 at the half. But it reminded me of that because you could see it coming. As soon as it's, you know, just like in that Super Bowl, as soon as it started, you could see the, the snowball coming. Same thing in this game. You know, once once the 49ers seized that momentum, you could see, and you felt like the, the Lions were going to lose the game, just like I felt like the Falcons were going to blow that Super Bowl. As far as the Chiefs and the, and the Ravens, a little bit different story. I mean, Chiefs had a 17-7 lead at half and, and never scored again in the game. Um, but they didn't have to. Their defense... Fagnola, the defensive coordinator, Steve Fagnola gave Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, a, a lesson. I taught him a lesson in this game. I just thought 
every button that Spagnola pushed was the right button. And then the, the Ravens helped out. And, you know, I, I don't like getting into this quarterback discussion because, you know, quarterbacks quality of play is, should be, should be determined in, you know, over an entire season, uh, entire career, not just one game, even in the postseason. But having said that, um, you know, Lamar Jackson's postseason record is, is not good. And, um, You know, he has not come up big and in, in, on the biggest stages. And I thought yesterday he played poorly. And you can't put it all on him. Um, and, you know, Zay Flowers catches a ball that should have been a touchdown. And he fumbles, you know, at the one-yard line, trying to, you know, dive across. And But the, the interception that Lamar threw into triple coverage, he just kind of are like, what in the world? It just seemed like the Ravens were kind of stuck in the mud. They could never get going. And this was their opportunity to beat the Chiefs. They were at home. They had an incredible crowd. Uh, but Mahomes and Kelsey did it again. And I'm tired of Travis Kelsey. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, not, not just because of the Taylor Swift thing. But, you know, I thought, you know, that Zay Flowers got that taunting uh, in the second half. And it felt like early in the game that Kelsey taunted someone every time he caught a pass. But the Chiefs are the Chiefs, and Justin in that game, I guess, I guess they just showed their championship DNA because they, uh, you know, even though it was a close game, and the Ravens had opportunities. It just felt like Kansas City was a better team to me. How did you see it? I um I agree. I think they were stuck in the mud right at, since the start of the game. They got the ball first. They weren't able to score. They went. I don't think they got a first down the first drive. They went three and out. And like you said, stuck in the mud. It was very – it's so frustrating watching the Chiefs because it seems like Travis Kelsey is just always open. <laughs> I mean, it, to put two or three guys on him, and yet he's going to find him on an out route or on a slant down the middle of the field. I think that just goes to show how great Patrick Mahomes is. And um, as much as I may not like it, He's probably the reason why they're in the Super Bowl now. It's just uh, incredible the talent he's had and as young as he is. All right, it's 916 here on the Gary Harris Show. We are uh, loaded this morning. Rodney Orr from Tider and Sutter TV, TiderandSutter.com. Coming up at 930. Casey Smith on golf at 1030. Your phone calls are welcome in the first hour on the First Domain Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904. When we come back on the other side of this break that we're about to take, we're going to discuss Alabama football. Of course, two big uh, two big commitments last week that we'll get into with Rodney Orr, but also just the general uh, vibe of the program right now. It's kind of settling in a little bit with Kalen DeBoer. Positive reviews on the recruiting trail from high school coaches and people that have had an opportunity have had an opportunity to be around Coach DeBoer. They're feeling good about things at Alabama, and also Alabama men's basketball with another win on Saturday night at home. They went over 100 points for the sixth time this year uh, against um, LSU in that game. So Alabama now with six 100-point-plus games, which is the most in a season in uh, program history, and they're not done yet. I mean, this team can score the basketball. And so Alabama now is uh, in first place in the SEC. Also, the women's basketball team yesterday with a big win over Kentucky. 
So we'll discuss all of that and more. Take your phone calls on the First Domain Condominiums hotline, 205-342-9904. This is the Gary Harris Show. We'll be right back after this. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9, brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama head coach Nate Oates met with the media after the Crimson Tide picked up a 109-88 win over LSU on Saturday. Unbelievable crowd again. It's great planet. Home in front of sellouts. You know, hopefully our fans keep coming out. Our student section was great. I thought everybody was great. So it's good. It's what makes college basketball the uh, environment we were able to play in. So i like to thank them, and hopefully we can get them to keep coming out. But you know, I, great offensive game, obviously. You know, we've been on these guys about the turnovers. We only had two turnovers at the half. So I thought, you know, it's a pretty compliant group that tries to do what you ask them to do. The only issue is defensively we just aren't aren't quite there yet. And I, I honestly didn't think it was there like it needed to be. I'll have more in a moment. You hear a lot today about the Bama factor. Well, what exactly is it? It's a saying that Coach Saban uses constantly. It's actually what the program is built on. Commitment, discipline, effort, toughness, and pride. Well, at Dex Imaging, we believe in these same principles. To be the very best we can be, day in and day out. So for all of your business office solutions, put Dex Imaging to work for you. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of Alabama Athletics. Join us tonight for Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance at Baumhauer's Victory Grill at 6 p.m. Central in Tuscaloosa. Hey Coach is available to listen to across our radio network, the Varsity Network app, as well as a video stream on all CTSN social media platforms. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Krispy Kreme. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather cool and dry today with a sunny sky, the high 51. Clear tonight, the low 31. Then for tomorrow and Wednesday, the sky partially sunny both days. The high tomorrow 60, cooler on Wednesday with a high in the middle 50s at 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 44 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 923, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Gary Harris, Justin Jones with you. We're going to jump out of the first main condos hotline and welcome Tom into the program this morning. Hey, Tom. <clears throat> Good morning, Gary. I uh, hope your morning is going well. Uh, I've been, I'm enjoying the show and thanks for taking my call. Sure. I got three things I want to talk about, if you don't mind. And uh, the first one is to do with the uh, Saturday night game at Coleman Coliseum and and my disappointment. Uh, oh well, I, I was disappointed at first. Then my wife called my attention to something. We like to walk up the street there in front of the Coliseum between the baseball field and Mount Moore, 
times like at night, especially. We think that's a beautiful scene, and we like to walk up there and uh, uh, go to the game, and that direction is what we do. And we were walking up there, and I told her, I said, you know, what, what's wrong around here? I said, the, the Coliseum is not lit up. It, does, it looks drab. Uh, usually they got all the lights on. It's uh, usually a diamond in the evening. And you can enjoy a nice scene. She said, well, wait a minute. She said, you're, you're being totally disrespectful. She said, Friday is the uh, anniversary of Coach Bryant passing. And she said, I think it would be terrible to have some kind of festive lighting thing. Is, is that the case? You think that's what was going on with the Coliseum Saturday night? Um, I, I didn't. I, I'm still trying to figure out what what exactly was different about the Coliseum. It wasn't you know I mean? lit up. It wasn't lit up. Well, it didn't have anything. Lights everywhere on the front. Uh, the lights in the lobby and everything. All right, I was at the game Saturday night. I was on the floor. Why? You, you come up with the weirdest questions. I, I don't really know how to answer that. I don't know that there was any. I, I, was, I was at the game. They did not do the the the. Um, LED lighting before the game, I assume, because they'd had a problem before the Auburn game, you know, or during the Auburn game with the lights not coming on, the overheads not coming on. So they didn't run the, the LED lights and, and bring them down for the introductions. They just kept the overheads on. So I'm assuming maybe if there was any kind of lighting issue, you're talking about on the outside of the Coliseum, it wasn't lit up. You're coming up. If you can, in your mind, think about when you're walking uh, up in front of from from what's that straight? Is it Bryant Drive all the way up to the front of the Coliseum? Right. Uh, <clears throat> Moore is on your right. The baseball complex on yeah, the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and well, I didn't. Walking. I went around the side to the back to coming in the side entrance, but I don't think there was, if they weren't lit up, it was something to do with the lighting issue. I don't think it had anything to do with Coach Bryant having passed away, um, you know, on the 26th of, of January, 1983. Um so, no, I don't think there was any significance to it, Tom. As far as I know, there was none. I guess they were just having lighting issues. The only thing I can think of. We were arguing about that. and uh, No, I, I don't uh, think that there was any any significance to it. Like I said, they had had during the Auburn game, you know, they, they do the introductions yeah. where they bring all the lights down. They bring up the LED lights. And during the Auburn game, they could not get the overheads back up. So they started trying to play the game. You know, Janai Broom hit a three. Then there was a 16-minute delay. While they hit the, uh, and you know, I think a lot of that lighting that you're talking about is LED lighting. So I guess they were having an issue with the LED lights and they just didn't have it up. That's that's the only way I can answer you because I didn't notice it. I'll take uh, hadn't thought about it I'll or, or anything that's, that's, else. But I don't think there was any any significance to anything other than they weren't working. Okay, number two. The second thing I wanted to ask about is I read an article this morning about uh, Taylor Swift and her contribution to the NFL this season, and they have come up with a figure, and according to the New York Post, that that figure was $331 million she has meant to the popularity of the NFL. My question to you is, do you think if that's true, and the NFL probably does believe that that to be true, they have ways of tracking such things about popularity and everything, do you actually think they wasn't going to let Kansas City in the Super Bowl? All right. 
like I said, you're, you're, I don't know what you've had over the weekend to come up with this stuff, but, um, the, I don't know how they cracked that to that to come up with an exact figure. Do I think she's brought some extra eyeballs to the games? Probably so. Uh, do I think the games are fixed? No, <laughs> I don't. I, you know, I do think officiating officials are impacted by, you know, things in the game and certain teams, but no, I don't think there's a directive from the NFL to say you've got to get Kansas City. Uh, into the NFL uh, Super Bowl because of Taylor Swift. I don't think that. So I disagree with you, Tom. I, I don't think that happened. Um, okay. All right. Well, you guys. I thought Baltimore. You know, Baltimore had opportunities to win that game. You know, the call on the Zay Flowers fumble was a good call. And I'll say this: I thought the taunting call on Zay Flowers, while accurate, uh, I thought Travis Kelsey had taunted throughout the game and not gotten called. But I think that – so I do think there is some issues there. Like I said, certain teams with certain players seem to get away with more. But, you know, Zay Flowers fumbled that ball. And Lamar Jackson threw into triple coverage. You know, that had nothing to do with the officials. If Flowers doesn't fumble that ball and scores a touchdown there, Baltimore would have had an opportunity to win. And um, so, no, I, I've said before, you know, I've talked about this on the show. I think officiating at times is very, very, very poor. I do think officials sometimes are impacted by their not bias. I don't think they're going to be biased in on purpose, but I do think they're aware of who the teams are playing. And 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 I have said I do think the NFL is aware of um, you know who would have the better TV ratings and that type of thing. But I don't ever think there's a directive from the NFL for the officials to try to fix the game. And I think this too, you know, and, and the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey storyline is real. This is going to be a very, very heavily watched Super Bowl. Although it's not the one I wanted. Um, but I think the Detroit Lions would have been a great story. You know, an original NFL franchise making their first Super Bowl. I think the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson would have been a great story. So I still think it would have been great storylines and still would have been the Super Bowl. So no, I don't think that. What's the third thing you got, Tom? Well, those were two great explanations, and, and I do appreciate your logic. And uh, quit making fun of me and my questions. I don't like. I'm it. not making fun of you. I'm just saying you you've been you, 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 you come up with a little. What, what's, I'm, I'm anxious to hear the third one real quick. I have questions of a very young mind, and I was looking for answers at me. And to your credit, you came up with great answers. Thank you for that. But the third thing is. I wanted to commend you on the uh, basketball team. And uh, when me, especially me, was like down on the team earlier, we didn't win any of the big ones. Remember me saying that, of course. And and I didn't think this and I didn't think that. We can't play with this. We can't play with that. And you said, hey, this is a good team. You're going to have to be patient with them. They will develop. And uh, you know what? I, 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 the main reason I called in this morning was I wish I hadn't said this now, but to tell you what a great job you did at, uh, at calling it on the basketball team, though. But that now I've been on drugs all weekend. I don't get. That. <laughs> I didn't say that. I just said you were you 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 had your thinking cap on though. But hey, that's why I like you, Tom. You always bring it, man. You always come with something interesting. And thanks for uh, your confidence in me on the basketball team. Hey, got to hit the break. Got Rodney Orr coming up. Thank you, Tom. It's nine thirty-one. We'll be back with Mister Tider Insider himself next, right here on the Gary Harris Show.
Ministry has evolved. It will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. Follow the Crimson Tide on their journey to another national championship. Touchdown, Alabama! On your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Nine thirty-four. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. This hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. We're going to jump back out on the first domain condominium hotline, and that's where we find Mister Tider Insider himself, Rodney Orr. Good morning, Rodney. Hey, Gary. How are you? Doing well. Let's jump right in. It was quite a busy week for Kalen DeBoer on the recruiting trail, and a uh, couple of huge commitments. And we'll begin with Ryan Williams, of course. I guess kind of recommitting. He had been committed to Alabama, decommitted, and uh, yet uh, came back and said that Alabama is where he wants to uh, play his college football, canceled visits to Texas and to Auburn, and is ready to sign with the Crimson Tide now on his birthday coming up next month in February. And, you know, has been active on campus since he made the commitment, was at the basketball game on Saturday night there with the uh, Crimson Chaos students with the hard hat on and and, and everything else. So uh, let's start with Ryan Williams and what his commitment means for Kalen DeBoer and Alabama football. Well, I think it means a lot. I mean, obviously, you you, you get a great player. Uh, that's first and foremost. But I think it sends a message that, you know, within 15 days after Nick Saban announced his retirement, uh, Ryan Williams, just moments or short time after Saban's announcement, he, uh, you know, decommits after being committed for nearly two years. And a lot of people said, uh, you know, whoever follows Nick Saban's going to have a real tough time, obviously. And, you know, DeBoer was hired and people said, well, you know, this guy has no familiarity, no contacts in the SEC in the South in this region of the country, and he's going to struggle recruiting. Well, he comes in and, like I said, within 15 days, um, you know, he, he, he recommits, um, you know, Ryan Williams. So I think from that standpoint, I think it certainly sent a message that uh, to Alabama fans, it made them feel a little bit more confident about uh, what Kalen DeBoer is going to be able to do from a recruiting uh, standpoint. And, you know, then again, two days later uh, or the next day, he lands a commitment from Noah Carter, who uh, was originally signed with Washington this, this year, signed in December. He's a six foot four, six, three and a half, six, four. 220-pound outside linebacker, but also plays wide receiver out of Peoria, Arizona. And, you know, he hit the he hit the portal shortly after DeBoer announced he was coming here. And, you know, he, he lands here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, it's a big pickup. I mean, I think this guy's a fabulous athlete. When you look at him, I, I think he's a five-star athlete. You know, again, he, he's going to probably be an outside linebacker, but athletically, you just don't find many guys at, at his size with the things he can do. And uh, just uh, so, I think those are two really, really big pickups. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And it uh, gives Alabama some momentum, of course, for Coach DeBoer. It's been a whirlwind, as we talked about last week. You come in here, you've got to re-recruit your current roster the best that you can. You've got to sure up, you know, the 2024 class. Uh, and you've got to start, you know, recruiting, obviously, for 2025. And it seems like, Rodney, that, you know, there were, you know, also several decommitments for 2025. But already I'm seeing some of those players say, hey, I've been offered by the new staff. And now that they've made contact with Coach DeBoer, again, I mean, it's a long time until December anyway, regardless of whether there's been a coaching change or not. But it feels like things are kind of, uh, you know, beginning to fall into place with those 2025 guys as well and that Coach DeBoer is going to have an opportunity to uh, to re-recruit them too as well as, you know, recruit other players for 2025. Yeah, and I think, you know, the one thing is, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll evaluate. They've evaluated the guys, I think, that's probably decommitted. And like you said, some of those guys have gotten offers. Some of the guys that were already offered have been re-offered by this staff. And so I think they're doing a great job in, in terms of the, the looking forward to 2025. They're jumping in on some guys. Obviously, they're jumping in on some guys that they even had at one time were committed to uh, to Washington that have backed off those commitments. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's getting in on a lot of players. I think when you look at the players that are already showing interest, there's a lot from the West Coast that are that are saying, hey, you know, uh, we, we were showing a lot of interest. Uh, we were very interested in Washington when he was there. And, you know, that's kind of carrying over to Alabama. I, I, look, I think he's going to do a great job recruiting. They're going to do it a little bit differently. I know Alabama fans like to get five stars, and, you know, I'm sure they're going to get some of those. But uh, they're going to thoroughly evaluate players that, that fit their system. They, they have a way of doing things. And, you know, he made a comment. Uh, I listened to something he said a while back when he was at Washington. He said, you know, we're not shy about taking guys that maybe aren't rated really high because we're going to do our evaluation. And if we feel like they fit, you know, what we do and they're, we, we want those guys, we want them in our program, he said, we really don't care what someone else, you know, rates them. And I think, you know, I remember Nick Saban saying one time we had an off-the-record meeting and someone asked him about one of the players that he had committed that was a five-star and was the number one offensive lineman in the country. And I, I never forget Nick Saban said, who told you he's the number one offensive lineman in the country? That's not how we had him rated. You know, we think he's a good player. We think he, we can develop him. But we evaluate players, you know, based on what we see, not what someone else rates them. And, again, a lot of those players ended up five-star players. But I, I think it's the evaluation of the staff. They're going to they're gonna do it, and they're going to select the guys they feel most yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And uh, speaking of the staff, um, again, nothing official. I, I think they're waiting until the entire staff is in place before UA sends out a release. But we know who the coaches are. There's only one defensive staff spot remaining. Um, when you look, and even some of the support personnel, we know who those guys are based on on reports. Uh, when you look at this staff, Rodney, with one slot still to be filled on on defense, what's your impression of the coaching staff? Well, I think it's pretty amazing. Again, 15 days that he had, or, or two weeks, what he, what he did, what he's done. Um, you know, obviously he brought most of that coaching staff there from Washington on the offensive side. And, uh, understandably so. I mean, they, they had tremendous success. Ryan Grubb and some of the other guys have been with him for a long time. I think that continuity is really, really big on that side of the ball. 
Um, you know, you could go through the list. Scott Huff had the uh, Joe Moore uh, award-winning offensive line this last year. Uh, we've talked about Grubb repeatedly and the things that he did and how he uh, enhanced their passing game that they had there the last couple of years. They were, they were one and two and nationally in passing offense. And uh, then, then you've got the wide receivers coach, Jamarcus Shepard, who's considered one of the top wide receiver coaches in America. Of course, Nick Sheridan is going to be the tight ends coach. And Robert Gillespie's a holdover from the last staff here under Coach Saban that did a great job. And then, uh, you know, defensively, you know, Freddie Roach is obviously the holdover on the defensive line. And uh, it seems like he's doing a great job. He went out and got uh, Hitchler from uh, Wisconsin. And I know a lot of their people were really upset about that, you know, the Wisconsin people that he was leaving. And, um, you know, Mo Lindquist uh, that had been at Buffalo that's been around, coached in the NFL, coached at Michigan, coached at Texas A&M, Mississippi State. He's had a lot of experience in this part of the country. And then now, of course, there's there's word. Matt Zenit, uh 247 put out yesterday that uh, Jatavis Sanders uh, from uh, North Carolina State may be uh, the recruiting uh, head of recruiting. Uh, so we'll see about that. I know he's done a really good job, but he has a lot of great connections. Uh, he spent like 14 years in the high school ranks over in Georgia, which you know, Gary, is a very fertile ground. So it sounds like he's got a lot of connections there. So it's obviously, you know, uh, Coach DeBoer is doing a fantastic job of not only bringing the guys that he was familiar with, but, you know, kind of evaluating uh, other uh, staff members that he's bringing in. Ronnie, speaking of, of Coach DeBoer and, and the new style and, and uh, you know, the change, I think obviously, you know, Coach Saban is um, arguably the greatest college football coach in the history of, of college football. And what he accomplished at Alabama will stand forever. And there's no there's no denying that. And I think we were all stunned uh, or at least surprised when he retired. But you do move on. And with Coach DeBoer, not only is it kind of a different way of doing things, but also, from a media standpoint, um, and we haven't had a chance to be around him much yet. I was at the introductory press conference, and that's been, you know, pretty much it. But you see a different style, and you know, having talked with people that have covered him in the past uh, about his openness, the way he did things at Washington with allowing media into practice and making coordinators available and doing local media things that uh, we haven't seen around here in some time. Uh, are you looking forward to? Uh, you know that into, uh, you know, we'll see how it works here at Alabama, but it feels like he's going to be a lot more accessible, uh, at least for local media, than Coach Saban was. Yeah, I mean, it, it sure, sure sounds like that. I mean, just looking at some things, I, I actually saw uh, one of the Montgomery stations, TV stations, caught him for a one-on-one. I guess a couple of days ago when he was down there, which is, you know, really unusual. I mean, it caught my attention uh, because we just didn't see many of those here, you know, over the last 17 years. And, you know, I think that as he becomes more familiar with, you know, Alabama, I'm sure he'll remain himself in that regard. Uh, but I do think it's a lot different here now. You got to be really careful because you'll have them flocking everywhere if you're not careful. And, you know, I remember Gary, a story about, the uh, the Texas media was wondering why, you know, the Alabama media wasn't all over Arch Manning's visit when he came here to Tuscaloosa one time, you know, during his recruitment. It's just a totally different deal here. You know, I mean, so I think you have to be guarded in some ways with that. But, again, I, I do think that he'll continue to be who he is. And it'll be interesting to see if practices are open, if there's a viewing period or whatever. Um, you know, I think all of those things would be interesting to kind of see how, how that goes. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it and we get into spring ball. And uh, speaking of spring and, and, you know, right now we don't even know the itinerary. Uh, Coach DeVore has been so busy on the recruiting trail and putting a staff together, something that, uh, you know, not much chatter about it. But when you have a, and it hasn't happened around here since 2007, you have a new coaching staff coming in with a new system. Does it, spring is always important. Those 15 practices, Rodney, we know are critical uh, going into the summer and building your football team. But is it even more important um, with a new coaching staff, spring even have more, have, have more importance than it normally does, do you think? Well, I think there's certainly things that they, they're going to do that uh, they've, this is really their first opportunity to be on the field with a lot of these players. Now, they have some transferring in, of course, a few that they're familiar with from Washington. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot. It's a learning experience for everyone, for the players, for the coaches, to become more familiar with each other. You know, obviously, they get to watch them. Um, they've watched them on film, uh, so they become more familiar with them in that way. But just having their seeing how they're, you know, how they uh, take coaching, all of these different things, I think it's really important. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very important time. These practices are really big. I think also, again, I don't know how much of their system, you know, you get uh, to I- install uh, in, in these things, uh, these 15 days, but I'm sure a lot of it will be, uh, you know, certainly happening. And, uh, you know, you get to evaluate the players, as I said, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, how, how open. I would assume that most everything in terms of, you know, positions is going to be open. You're going to have to prove yourself. We've seen guys, you know, new coaches come in here and all of a sudden a new player emerges that maybe was uh, behind the pack a little bit or hadn't played much. I remember when Coach Fran got here, Mariko Portis came out of nowhere to become a starting offensive lineman. Uh, so you see those types of things, and that's going to be real interesting. I think just to see overall how um, you know you've got a stacked quarterback room, you got stacked receivers. You know which guys emerge. Uh, you know obviously Milrose back, and uh, but he's got a new system to learn and, and to play to. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how some of these young quarterbacks respond in the spring. Rodney Ora with us from TiderInsider.com, Tider Insider TV, talking Alabama football, and and we're settling in now with with Coach DeBoer and. And a lot ahead, though. Uh, when you and this is getting way in front, Rodney, but it's you know a lot of fans are already asking. Uh, so I'm going to ask you. And uh, the 2024 season, it will be here before you know it. And people say it's a long time, but it, it this year will fly by just like all the, all the years have been flying by. And it'll be August before you know it. Uh, when you look ahead to the to the SEC, and you got Oklahoma and Texas coming in, no division, 16 teams. Uh, do you think Alabama? can contend for a spot in Atlanta in the first year under Kalen DeBoer? Well, uh, yeah, I think, you know, they certainly can. Um, you know, I think they'll probably, most people go in having them one of the top two or three teams for sure, I would think. Uh, you know, obviously Georgia will probably be the preseason favorite this year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's always difficult in that first year. You know, we, we see that a lot. A lot of the transition that first year can be, you know, feeling out. Sometimes you, you know, it doesn't go exactly the way you, 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 you'd like for it to, but once you smooth things out, things, you know, kind of start to get better. But, 
you know, again, there's a lot of talent on this team. I guess we're going to have to really see, too, what's the roster going to look like after spring. I mean, they need to fill some positions. They've got they've got some really great young corners that they signed in this class, but I think, you know, you still need some experience. they got Damani Jackson transferring in from USC, uh, who is a highly recruited player. He's going to be a guy that will give them, give them some experience there. Uh, I, I think they'll probably get another corner, maybe two out of the uh out of the portal i think that's going to be really needed maybe you get a safety uh, you know we'll see uh maybe you get an off another offensive tackle you know we'll see uh whatever they do i think the key is you know what does this roster eventually look like and i think it should look strong but uh what does it eventually look like in those areas come may you know or june Yep, yep, and uh, great answer, Rod. But Jones Fong will be a good answer. All right, quickly before we wrap it up, basketball, uh, two huge home wins this past week against Auburn, against LSU. Alabama, you know, tied for first place in the in the SEC. And uh, in a year in which, really, you talk about a coaching job, I, when you look back at last year and having to turn over this roster the way that Nate Oates has done it, uh, to have this team contending for another SEC championship about, you know, quarter away through the – the or a little more than a quarter of the way, closing in on halfway through the the SEC schedule is pretty impressive to me. Well, I mean, just a few weeks ago, you know, everybody was up in arms that, that things weren't going well, and you know, then the SEC season hits, and you know, I, I don't know. I guess they're beyond expectations. I guess you would have to say if if you had any, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. You know, they beat Auburn here. Uh, real, you know, they toughed that one out and then they, you know, demolished LSU pretty good. It was a six straight, not six straight, but sixth time this season. I think it is. They, they've gone over the hundred, hundred point mark, uh, 109 to 88. So yeah, I mean, they're playing extremely well. I mean, it's, it's, uh, they're right where you'd want them to be, right? I mean, like you said, first in the SEC and, uh, you're right. I think that we talked about this though. How many times did we say, on Tider and Sutter TV, it really doesn't matter. The sport, all you have to do is look at it. When you have a lot of new players, uh, it takes time sometimes for all of these guys to mesh together and start playing together well as a team. I mean, that's just the way it is uh, because there's so many things that you know that, that they've got to become familiar with each other on. So, uh, yeah, I, I think if you're an Alabama basketball fan right now, you have to be really happy where this team is. Indeed, you do right there in the in the in the chase again for another SEC championship with Alabama basketball and NATO's great stuff as always, Roddy. And I know that Cider uh, Insider is cranking along as always, and of course, also your your book is available. So uh, we got a minute or so for you to speak on those topics. Yeah. Um... You know, tighterinsider.com, of course, is only $48 a year, and you can get access with the credit card if you prefer. There is an address there to send a check. Gives you all our premium information also included in that's our all sports form. That's our community of Alabama fans. A lot, lot going on right there right now on tighterinsider.com. And then my book, of course, we've talked about it a little bit bigger than Bama. Um, it's uh, You can uh, go to rodneyor.com, R-O-D-N-E-Y-O-R-R.com. And you, you know, you can read the back there and kind of become familiar with, with the story a little bit. And then, uh, also it's available on Amazon, but, it, but we do prefer you, you know, you use rodneyor.com. And, uh, if you're interested, it's, it's only 1995. Thanks a lot, Rod. Okay, bud. Take care. All right. Appreciate it. 952 here on the Gary Harris show. 
And uh, boy, this hour's flown right by, but we got another hour coming up. We'll come back and, and wrap up this uh, this first hour, and we'll do it right after this on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, your home for Alabama sports. When your finances are in perfect order, it just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. If you have already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather cool and dry today with a sunny sky, the high 51. Clear tonight, the low 31. Then for tomorrow and Wednesday, the sky partially sunny both days. The high tomorrow 60, cooler on Wednesday with a high in the middle 50s at 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 44 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 955, the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. Listen, January's winding down, but we've still got a couple of days left in this month, and it's an opportunity for you to join the Y right now without a joining fee. That's right. Just get down to the YMCA, 2313th Street. I was in there on Saturday afternoon. And um, sign up, start your membership, and get to working out. No joining fee the entire month of January. And we've still got um, – today's the 29th. We've got tomorrow and Wednesday before uh, January comes to an end. February 1st is on Thursday. So you still got three days to get down and uh, – Become a member of the YMCA with no joining fee. Start working out today. Don't put it off any longer because you know how it works. February is right around the corner. It'll be Memorial Day before you know it. The summer will be here, and you're going to want to be uh, looking your best for the summer. The YMCA is an opportunity for you to join a great gym with great people, terrific community, personal training, fitness classes, child daycare, and much more. The YMCA of Tuscaloosa. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this first hour. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Hour number two, we got Casey Smith on golf coming up at 1030. More of your phone calls as we'll switch over from the first domain condominiums hotline to the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline in the second hour, 205-342-9904. And um, we already talked about the AFC and FC championship games. We'll dive into who we think is uh, going to win the Super Bowl as we are 13 days away. I wish they played it next week. I hate having two weeks between uh, the championship games and the and the Super Bowl. You don't do it at any other point in the season, but you do it for the Super Bowl. But we'll... Uh, We'll discuss that and Alabama basketball, as we said, uh, doing well. And all that coming up in the second hour of the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC.
Tesco's has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. The matchup for Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas is set. The Chiefs against the 49ers, a rematch of Super Bowl 54. San Francisco overcame the largest halftime deficit in a conference championship game, stunning the Lions 34-31. to Niners at one point scored 27 consecutive points after they trailed 24-7 to at the half. Here's Lions head coach Dan Campbell. It's a lesson learned, and look, I told those guys, this may have been all in a shot. Do I think that? No. Do I believe that? No. However, I, I know how hard it is to get here. I, I'm well aware. And it'll be, it's going to be twice as hard to get back to this point next year than it was this year. Kansas City, meanwhile, suffocated the Ravens in the AFC Championship game, a 17-10 win. Patrick Mahomes picked up his 14th playoff win. He now trails only Joe Montana and Tom Brady. Now, this hour is West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Tuscaloosa Violent Crimes Unit investigators have been at the scene of a fatal shooting all night at Landmark Apartments in Old Montgomery Highway. Happened just before midnight, one man died. Water has now been restored to Walker, Fayette, and extreme northern Tuscaloosa counties. However, a boiled water notice remains in effect until water safety is assured. Aldot is proposing a new type of interchange over I-2059 in Tuscaloosa County. It's called a divergent diamond interchange. It would take about two years to build it and exit 100. Get 20 7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM at 1230 AM WTBC, your home for Alabama sports. I'm Gary Harris. Justin Jones is there in the control room. He is taking your phone calls on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. Casey Smith on golf coming up in hour number two at 1030 this morning on uh, the show. So we'll look forward to that. And as I said, your phone calls, 205-342-9904. I want to start off with uh, talking about Kalen DeBoer, as we do every day here, the new Alabama head football coach, and an interesting exchange that I had. And uh, I wrote a little story about it on my uh, Gary Harris WVUA 23 Facebook page. I would encourage you to uh, follow me there. If you you so choose to do so, just go to Facebook, type in Gary Harris WVUA 23. 
and you can read the story. But uh, Grannison Wagstaff, who was uh, a good friend of mine and a former Alabama linebacker uh, in the uh, mid to late 90s, he played at Alabama from 94 to 98 under Gene Stallings. And uh, yeah, that's right. No, I think he finished out under <clears throat> Mike DeVos. So Gene Stallings and Mike DeVos. But he uh, is now a high school football coach and ninth grade English teacher at Enterprise High School where he um, played high school football at. And I saw that he had put out a picture on his Facebook page of he and Coach DeBoer uh, shaking hands at the uh, <clears throat> Alabama Football Coaches Association meeting in Montgomery. So I uh, texted Graniston, and I just said, hey, man, what was your impressions, your first impressions of Kalen DeBoer? And... Um, he texted me back, and I, I put a little story together, and I'm going to read it since it's not very long. Uh, <clears throat> I said it was a short but memorable meeting for former Alabama linebacker Grandison Wagstaff with new Crimson Tide head coach Kalen DeBoer at the Alabama Football Coaches Association meeting in Montgomery. Wagstaff is now the quarterback's coach at Enterprise High School, his, his uh, high school alma mater. He also teaches ninth grade English. I asked Grandison to tell me about his first meeting with Coach DeBoer. It wasn't long, Wagstaff said. There were so many coaches, just welcomed him, talked to him about Alabama football. He was excited about being here, anxious to get started. We discussed the football fraternity, Bama Sci-Fi. One aspect of his short conversation with DeBoer that stuck with Wagstaff was how thankful Coach is for the welcome he's received. Everybody has been helpful in his adjustment, Wagstaff said. He really appreciates all the stories that have been shared with him. It's been said that you don't get a second opportunity to make a first impression, and Coach DeBoer is a home run, uh, hit a home run in his first meeting with Grannis and Wagstaff. That was my little story there on my WVUA 23 Facebook page. All right. That was all there was to it <clears throat> because that Grannis said it was short and sweet. There were a lot of different coaches that he was meeting and talking to, but he resonated with, with Grannis and Wagstaff, a former player. Uh, because of his genuineness, because of his thorough gratitude for the way he's been received, and talking to other people that have had an opportunity to be around him, they've shared the same thing with me. That Coach DeBoer is down-to-earth, approachable, and very, very genuine. And I think that's important. And I've said this already on the show before, that when you're following an icon like Nick Saban, you have to have enough self, how do I say this, um, self-confidence, I guess, self-confidence, and you have to be secure enough in your own skin to be who you are and not try to fall into the, well, how would a coach, coach Saban have done it? You know, I, I need to do it like Coach Saban did it. I need to do it the way that it was done here before. Uh-uh. I promise you this, having covered Coach Saban for 17 years, when he took the job at Alabama in 2007, he didn't worry about how anybody else had done it. I'm telling you. Of course, he came into a much different situation. He came into a program that, that wasn't winning SEC and national championships and not one, <clears throat> had not won a, a national title 
in 15 years when he got to Alabama. You know, 1992 had been the last. So he came into a different situation. But regardless, he came in and he put his plan in place. And he put his program in place. He put his organization together. And that's what I see from Coach DeBoer. I see Coach DeBoer putting Coach DeBoer's organization in place, putting his plan in place. And as he has said, he is going to use Coach Saban as a resource. Coach Saban is going to have an office in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Now, he's been out of town since, for the most part since he retired. He's been done it in, in, at Venice in Florida playing golf and living the good life. But I think Coach DeBoer is going to use him as a resource. But I don't sense that Coach DeBoer feels any pressure or feels any stress in following Coach Saban. I think if he had thought that that would be the case, he would not have taken the job. So I see a man who is uh, ready to do things his way, build on what Coach Saban has put together, which is as fine a college football program as we've ever seen, and just keep it rolling. All right, let's jump out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in Super Joe. Super Joe, what up, partner? Oh, man, everything, oh, everything all gravy, man. It's good. Gravy, man, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, man, you know, like I said, Coach, you know, Coach the boys, you know, like I said, he'd be the, the best original him. So, you know, but I'll tell you what I had. But before Coach said retired, I had a bad dream. You know, I had a bad dream. Good man, my coach. I had a dream that J.B. Whitworth tried to get the head coach job at Alabama. We went 0-12. Oh my lord! Well, Coach Whitworth will bless his soul. He's uh, he's no longer with us, so he's not going to be the football coach at Alabama. No, 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 yeah, that was that old, that old. I mean, like uh, 1955, that 0 and 10 season. Yeah, but as I said, that was just bad, just bad dream. But anyway, but anyway, well, I can say this though, you know. But I look at like just as many people we had transferring away. I believe we're gonna get just as many people transferring. We're gonna get just as many people transferring. In. It's all gonna turn around. So hey. You know, and plus the well, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to turn around. I don't think there's anything to turn around. I think everything's fine. I, I I think a lot of people have pushed a panic button for no reason. I mean, and a lot of the, the media, we play a part in that with, with these numbers. Oh, this may put, a lot of these players had transferred before Nick Saban retired. A lot of these players were in the portal before Nick Saban even announced what he was going to do. And I, I think that Coach DeBoer has come in here quickly, in my opinion, very quickly has has stabilized things. And as I said now, a couple of weeks in, I feel like Alabama's on a good trajectory. And, uh, you know, they're going to have a lot of good players. You know, the one the one area that maybe was hit a little harder than than I would like to have seen as far as the portal is, is the secondary. I, I think there, there are opportunities to play in this secondary, and some of the guys that left would have played. And obviously, Caleb Downs, he'd have played anywhere. But I'm talking about outside of Caleb Downs. There's some guys that went into that portal who I think we're going to have an opportunity to play uh, in the secondary with this new coaching staff, and and they left. And uh, that's disappointing. But all in all, the roster is going to be fine. There's going to be a lot of good football players, and uh, I think this, this team is going to be good. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you what, this, hey, well, like I, said, I still believe we're yeah, going to be great, but I still believe we're going back to the playoffs. There ain't no doubt about it. So, like I said, he's going to keep he's going to keep the ball raised and stuff like that. And I, I know, like, but like I said, hey, as long as he's operating like an original him, I, I, I still believe we'll get national champions under Coach DeBoer. I really believe we'll get some. 
You know, I don't know how many. I can't predict, but I, I just know what he gave at Washington, but we got something in common. Alabama coached the board, and I got something in common. We both lost to Michigan. And we got, and when we want to see him again, we will, we will clean him the next time. Like Sugar Leonard, maybe Roberto Duran tap out, say no moss. Whether it be regular season or playoff game. So yep, but I'm, but I don't want to, but I don't want to hold you up too much. Gay, you tell Rob, I say hello. And I'm still trying to get for, get for to getting that book from him. Well, I know he'll be, uh, he'll be happy to, you know, for you to have a copy, my friend. We, we both uh, have your book from a few years ago, and. And uh, yeah, you'll enjoy reading Rodney's book. I promise you that. You know, you know, I will. Take care now. Roll time, partner. Thank you, partner. Super Joe, chiming in this morning here on the Gary Harris Show. It's ten thirteen this hour, and I did not say this uh, at the top, Justin. So let me go ahead and let everybody know this hour the Gary Harris Show is being brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, local with feet on the ground in West Alabama. Paul Patterson is in Tuscaloosa. Mike Comer is in Northport. And both of these gentlemen are um, fine, fine men, as well as terrific lawyers. If you need a personal injury attorney or a personal injury law firm, there are a lot of them out there. I understand that, but I would recommend Patterson Comer. I've used this law firm before myself, and uh, I highly recommend them. And just for the thorough, professional personal approach that they'll be able to take with you. You'll sit down face-to-face, not on a phone call with an 800 lawyer that you never meet, but face-to-face, if they take your case, uh, it works on contingency, never any money out of pocket unless they collect for you. And if they need to, they'll go to court with you. They'll be with you every step of the way. That's Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law, PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And we're wide open for phone calls on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. Give us a call. We'll be right back with more of the Gary Harris Show. You're on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. The weather cool and dry today with a sunny sky, the high 51. Clear tonight, the low 31. Then for tomorrow and Wednesday, the sky partially sunny both days. The high tomorrow 60, cooler on Wednesday with a high in the middle 50s at 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 47 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten seventeen. Welcome back in to the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, your home for Alabama sports. Gary Harris and Justin Jones. Casey Smith on golf coming up. At the bottom of the hour, wide open right now for anything that you want to talk about. Give us a ring on the first, uh, no, first main count of Indians hotline in the first hour. Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline here in the second hour, 205-342-9904. Whatever you want to talk about. I talked about uh, some people that I've talked to with their impressions of Kalen DeBoer. What are your impressions? Even if you haven't had an opportunity to meet him, just uh, watching him come in here and uh, operate his first couple of weeks on the job. What do you think about uh, about Kalen DeBoer? And is Alabama football in good hands? Uh, we mentioned Alabama women's basketball uh, with a big win at Kentucky. What a game by uh, Sarah Ashley Barker! Sarah Ashley Barker on Sunday. Just to pull, pull up her stats, if you don't mind. Sarah Ashley Barker had a career game 
on Sunday against Kentucky. And, uh, and that's saying something because she's had some big games, but, uh, she put one together on Sunday that was, uh, the best game of her career as Alabama took care of the Wildcats. And, you know, Alabama is not going to win the SEC on the women's side, but they're a good team. They're a good team. And, uh, I think they will be an NCAA tournament team. And, uh, that's the one thing Christy Curry's been able to do. She's been able to, uh, bring this program to a point now where it is a, um, it is a consistent um, NCAA tournament type team and program, and uh, that's what she was looking to do when she got here, and she's doing it. So as soon as you get those Sarah Ashley Barker stats, Justin, I want you to pass them along because she had a monster monster game on Sunday. While yeah. he's doing that, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, you got I'm ready for you if you if you want them. Yeah, yeah, pass them along. I, you know, because I know she had over 30 points, and I think she might have had. A double-double, but read out her stat line from Sunday. Yeah, she had thir- um, 34 points. She was 50% from three, 12 for 18 field goals, two assists, 10 rebounds, so double-double. Yeah, 34 and 10. Now that's, uh, you know, there's there's good games in college basketball, and then there's 34 and 10. I mean, 34 and 10 is, is next-level good. I mean, that's really, really, really strong. And, um, you know, she's a terrific player, of course, her dad is former Alabama National Championship winning quarterback Jay Barker. And Sarah Ashley played at Spain Park uh, on the state championship team and then actually signed with Georgia out of high school um, and then transferred into Alabama in the last couple of years has been a dynamic player for the Crimson Tide. Also, uh, speaking of the, the weekend in Alabama football, Jalen Milrow held his um, NIL camp on Saturday and Sunday at Hillcrest High School. Both days were sold out. Uh, I had a crew down there Saturday from WVUA 23, and uh, they got to interview Jalen. And I got to tell you, Justin, um, he didn't just participate in the camp. Obviously, he's the headliner. But, I mean, he got out on the field. I know yesterday I think a big portion of it was pushed inside. Um, But he got out on the field. He worked with those campers. He visited with those campers. He signed autographs for those campers. And I know you say, well, he should have. Um, yes, and he should have. But he went beyond in the call of duty. I, I think on Saturday, uh, he was there for like five hours. Even after the camp ended, was there for a couple of hours. Um, visiting with parents and signing every item that was asked of him to sign. And I've talked to some people who were there. And they just said, man, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. And, again, uh, it was not a cheap camp. It cost some money to go. And it is, you know, and and Jalen is going to make some money off that camp through, again, through NIL camps that are that are put on. But still, I've been to a lot of these camps, Justin, in my time, you know, 40 years of sportscasting. I've been, I've been to a lot of these camps. And I've seen camps where, you know the camp, the, the camp star, you know, wasn't engaged. It was their name on the marquee to bring in the campers, but their extent of of working with the young people was to walk around and kind of oversee other people doing all the work. And you know, mainly talking about NFL campers or, or NFL players that hold camps. You know, you. Their name's on the camp, but they don't really do a lot of instructing or 
or working. That's not the case with this camp with Jalen Milrow, man. He was involved. He was uh, he was heavy duty and 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 getting on the field with these guys and girls, and uh, it was just awesome camp. Just an awesome camp, and uh, I think it speaks to Jalen Milrow as not just as a football player, but as someone who uh, you know takes a genuine interest in people. So fun, fun weekend down at Hillcrest High School, um, even with rain and and gloomy conditions all weekend long that uh, Jalen Milrow football camp was a huge success and now I think Justin we're looking forward to watching Jalen Milrow learn this new offense in the spring all the quarterbacks for that matter but I'm excited about the next step that I think Jalen Milrow can take under Ryan Grubb and and Kalen DeBoer uh, not that he wasn't being coached well because he was being coached well by Tommy Reese. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think Tommy Reese did a good job. But, Jalen, this is a different uh, – or, Justin, this is a different system. This is going to be a different system. This is going to be an offense that is going to, I think, help develop Jalen even more as a passer. Would you agree with that? No, I, I definitely would. I I think the comparison, and we've drawn it a couple times throughout the season, was Jalen Hurts. And what helped Jalen Hurts improve as a passer? He leaves Alabama um, after sitting behind Tua and goes to Oklahoma, where he gets in an offense where they throw the ball more downfield. And in this case, Jalen's not going to have to leave to go anywhere. Milrow, that is, leave to go anywhere. The offense came to him, and I think you're exactly right. I think it's going to see him blossom. And, um, you know, watching more and more of that Washington film from Ryan Grubb, they're not scared to run a quarterback power every now and then as well. So we could see a good mix. Yeah, we could. And it's it's going to be exciting. You know, I mentioned Tommy Reese, and, and uh, that's the, the downside of a coaching change. You know, Coach Saban stepped away and retired because that's what he chose to do. His staff, a lot of them uh, did not decide to step away. But they're impacted, obviously. And the good news for Tommy Reese is he's got another year on his contract. He is at appears uh, uh, going to work for the, the Cleveland Browns in the NFL, and um, you know he has uh, spent a lot of time in the Upper Midwest in Indiana and in Illinois. Uh, so, play, you know, working in Cleveland and working in the NFL would be a good opportunity for him. I thought Tommy Reese did a terrific job. I, I thought that when you look at how this offense in 2023 was built and where it came from to start the season to where it was at at the end. I thought Tommy Reese did a terrific job. I think he's a terrific young football coach. I, I, you know, was disappointed initially for Tommy Reese because I'm like, man, I wanted to see where he could go in the second year with, with, with Jalen Milrow. But that's the nature of the coaching business. And, um, you know, Tommy Reese is a good football coach. And he's going to, uh, as I said, have an opportunity in the NFL. And I think he'll do a good job wherever he's at. We'll probably see him back in college football at some point. We may see him as a head coach in college football or in the NFL in, in the near future. I mean, you don't have to wait very long anymore. If you've proven that you can coach, there's a lot of NFL head coaches that get gigs now in their mid-30s. And I think Reese is, is still just 31 years old. But uh, with the experience that he's already got and now an opportunity to, uh, I say coach in the NFL, get back in the NFL. He actually spent a year uh, with uh, the Chargers back several years ago as an analyst. And um, so, you know, this is a, a 
deal for him now to get a little more NFL experience. He's going to have so many options going forward, whether it be college football or the NFL. So Tommy Reese has got a bright career. But there are other coaches too. You know, you you see a coaching staff and and you understand, um, you know, all these guys are making really good money now, including, you know, the assistant coaches, not just the head coach. But still, you're talking about, you know, when when a coach is let go, or in this case, a coach retires, you know, that staff, man, all of a sudden you've got, you got kids in school. You know, you've got, you know, friendships and, and relationships that um, are going to abruptly come to an end, you know, and, and you're going to have to be moving. And a lot of times not moving because you want to, you know, moving because, you have to because you no longer have a job coaching at the school that you were coaching at just, you know, in this case, a few days prior to Coach Saban's retirement, this coaching staff was getting ready for off-season workouts and putting together a synopsis um, and an agenda, itinerary, whatever you want to call it, for spring, and now they're out of a job. And that's tough. I don't care, you know, if financially you're in good shape or not. That's that's the uh, that's the downside. So I know these guys make a lot of money, but um, it can be a very harsh profession as well. Uh, you don't get fired in as many professions as often as coaches get fired. Coaches get fired a, a lot more probably based on uh, the percentage of firings in a in a particular career field. Coaches probably get fired a lot more than than we do in other lines of work. So in this case, it wasn't a firing, but Coach Saban retiring, and to some degree it is a firing because those coaches were, a lot of them were told by the new head coach that they were, their services were no longer needed. Now, I am happy that the strength and conditioning staff stayed intact under David Ballou, and uh, I think those guys have done a good job, and uh, they're going to continue to do a good job for the new head coach, Kayla DeBoer. All right, it's 1029. When we come back on the other side, Casey Smith on golf. And uh, we'll dive into the PGA Tour, the LPGA Tour. Nick Dunlap making his PGA Tour debut as a professional this coming week at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And more with Casey Smith next here on the Gary Harris Show. 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back in. It's time for Casey Smith on golf, and we're certainly going to uh, get to Nick Dunlap and his decision that we, of course, carried the press conference live last week and have discussed it. But I want to get Casey's thoughts on uh, Nick Dunlap's decision to turn pro and his debut as a professional coming up this week at Pebble Beach. But first, a recap of the 
farmers at, at Torrey Pines and uh, Matthew Pavon with the win and uh, a tournament. I assume they see that this was a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday tournament so that they could avoid the AFC and NFC championship games on Sunday. Is that the reason that this has gone to a Saturday finish? Yeah, and, you know, uh, uh, honestly, that's that was smart on their thought, I think, from the start, thinking that they moved it to their – then they changed their schedule around a little bit, and they went away from having a um, – just being a signature event. Tory was a signature event last year. And um, and so when that changed and some of the players that have always played in Tory, uh, really Tiger made that event a big event over the years, mm-hmm. winning there so many times and – Bill, I mean, just really, they all were going to be there. Then they went signature event, and they were all there. And then they didn't, and they moved it so they would have primetime television. And you had a bunch of guys that no one really knew about. And so I heard the ratings were awful. But big congrats to your spot-ons for the, for the football uh, games is what they were trying to free up television viewers. Um, but, yeah, congrats to Matthew Pavon for uh, picking up his first PGA Tour win, only his third start. For the birdie on the last from the rough, uh, really a life-changing win. First Frenchman to win on the PGA Tour since 1907 with Arnaud Massey. But, uh, you know, Pavon quickly really got to this stage through earning dual tour membership through the uh, 2023 season in the DP World Tour race to buy. So, He's taking advantage of his opportunities, and uh, even though it wasn't a big name, he beat, he beat Hogard by one, uh, hit an incredible shot from the rough, that um, had spin, which is crazy in itself, um, to get a big win, which is a life-changing win, and, and, and now on to this week in the signature event, uh, where he'll have a 80-man field, still a pro-am, playing for all the money with our guy Nick Dunlap turning pro, and, and a lot of the others top guys even from UA in the field and state ties. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, but Pavon, another case of showing how deep uh, the tour is, that, you know, a guy, like you said, with limited experience on the PGA Tour, coming out and, and winning. And and that's what we're seeing now is more guys that uh, when they get on tour are ready to win right away, in a, you know, and not just in terms of the United States, but but international. I do want to ask you because I didn't watch. I did not watch any of this tournament. I'm going to be real honest. Yeah, you're, I, I, you're right. I'm, you're right, Gary. The, the game is the game. This is the crazy part about where we're at in golf right now until everyone gets back together, which I'll even touch on that. I've got a little update on that. Uh, live PGA Tour, but it's not the golfers' talent that's lacking right now. It's the names of people understanding who these golfers are. If they if there was more media uh, coverage, you know, if the tour was doing more media coverage for the stars that they have, which that's what they have right now, as they should be, more people would understand and know who these guys are. It's not really that they're that much less talented than said player who's now playing at Live, who you knew. It's really, as you can tell, everyone can tell, how, look how deep golf is. It's the deepest it's ever been. An amateur winning last week, a new guy winning this week. Um, but people just don't know who they are, so they're a little lost in who to follow. Yeah, uh, but that is, the ratings, and I, and I can, as I said, I didn't watch any of it, uh, but I'm telling you what, we're going to get a boost in the ratings this week at AT&T, I can bet you, and, and the ratings for um, better believe it, the tournament that Dunlap won were off, off the chain, and we'll get to the Live PGA deal. I still think golf would be much better off had Live not ever come around, but you know, I'm probably in the minority in that statement. 
But let's get to um, what's what's coming up. And the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, uh, Nick Dunlap won as an amateur in his last start. He made the decision to turn pro. And now, Casey, I, I think this is probably um, one of the most anticipated professional debuts that we've had uh, since maybe Jordan Spieth. Uh, going back to, to Tiger, to Phil, it's going to have that type of buzz because you're talking about a 20-year-old amateur golfer who was set to play a sophomore season at the University of Alabama, wins a tour event on a sponsor's exemption as the only amateur in the field, and now is set to make his pro debut at one of the most famous courses in the world. Uh, I, I think the ratings problem is solved for this week coming up, don't you? I do, and, and I think it was brilliant on Dunlap's part to take a week off, to go properly celebrate, to properly make the right decision, what was best for his future, and only further build to a course that is manageable um, for all. You know, you've had all types of winners there. It really plays into a guy who's a great iron player's game. He is. Um, you know, it's not overly long. Smallest greens on the PGA Tour all year are at Pebble Beach. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I think everyone is very excited about it. I think you set it up properly. Uh, probably going back to Jordan Spieth, uh, is, I mean, I remember when he turned pro, uh, and had a lot of success early on and, and made a, uh, because of that made a president's cup team. But this is even with more, uh, star power. You're going to have, you know, Tom Brady's and, and, uh, Paul Gasol's and Larry Fitzgerald and Alex Smith and you know, all types of guys like that in the field, actors, Bill Murray's, um, Carlton. You know, you go through all that. You're going to have that plus Nick Dunlap mm-hmm. plus a signature event with all of the best players in the world, the the best players on the PGA Tour at least. Um, you have everyone, and even JT's in the field. He's played himself in the field, so that's, that's great. And at Fame Pebble Beach, I mean, one of my favorite courses that I've ever played, top probably two to three. And uh, nothing better to watch on television than watching a tournament at Pebble Beach. So how do, how do we think Nick Dunlap will do? I don't know. Carrying a lot of pressure, especially after coming off a win. But I don't think he's been phased by anything, and I think it's the right place to turn pro. Uh, having played there a few times, Poe is a little bit of a – later in the day, the, the bulbs on the grass can get a little – that can grow, and the Poana will cause the ball to bounce. Got, some guys don't make as many putts there than others like a, a Jordan Spieth, Phil, Brant Snedeker, who had always played well there when he was playing good golf, they all have seemingly learned how to putt on POA. Dunlap is a elite all-world putter. Uh, expect him to. There's not a ton of slope to the greens. There really aren't. They're small, and, and you know, uh, you can. they're receptive. Uh, I just it's, it's a little bit of a different putting surface, but great putters usually trans position to being great putters on any type of surface, especially when you're not talking about, you know, grain and you're not reading grain and you're not reading, uh, it's just putting a good solid stroke on it in Poana. So that's going to favor him. And, uh, you know, I think you got Sepp in the field, JT in the field, David Stride in the field, Hodges in the field and now, and, and Nick as well. So we all out of 80 players, a lot with state ties or, or Alabama ties to watch for. I'm going to say early on, I think he top twenties. Um, and I think you'll, you're going to see him. He belongs out there. He's really good. Uh, and I just think, he's, you know, even in this field, top 20 would be like in a normal event. It'd be like making the, you'd be like making the top five. But um, I, I just feel like he's got, he's got his games in a good place. He went to one two weeks ago. And it just becomes back to 
staying in the process and letting your game uh, do talk for itself, you know. I want to go back to farmers uh, for a moment because I meant to I meant to ask you. And, and speaking of Bama guys, uh, for a guy who you know has a has has some talent, uh, Robbie Shelton still kind of trying to find his way. He was really in position going into Sunday to have a you know a top ten finish, and we've seen this with him. Uh, we've seen it you know lately with Davis Riley. We see it with a lot of guys out there on tour. A lot of times it comes down to what you do on Sunday and. Uh, you know, he was at minus seven going into Sunday, and he shot one over. And um, and we know that that you know that that's a that's that's a tough golf course, but still, uh, that, those are the kind of you know he still finished with a top twenty five. But for Robbie Shelton, an opportunity to to get a top ten and not come through, I know that's got to be disappointing for him. Yeah, I mean, you you would think when you're when you're playing well enough to he made a double bogey in his final round. Yeah, uh, on number seven, had a couple bogeys before that. And, and but at least he closed. He birdied sixteen and eighteen. So it's just golf. Some days you have it, some days you don't. Fields are really deep. I just I think that you know I hate to say this, but like when you get a Dunlap out there, um, you know uh, Robbie becomes almost in terms of just a, a skill, right? Um, a, a poor man's Dick Dunlap. I mean that's just that's just we're just calling it straight. You know I think. There's a place for him on tour. There's a lot of money to be made for him on tour. But as fields just get deeper and deeper, that's really the, the, the truth, right? Can he make a living out there for 20-something years? Absolutely. But there's like one little thing missing from each category if you look at everything statistically where, you know, you get a guy coming out there that's already won on tour as an amateur who's won everything else, got a little bit of a different mindset. Um, so I'd, I'd say Robbie Shelton, if he just continues to keep making cuts and finishing inside the top 100, the 75 to 100, that's probably where he is and belongs if something, unless something really changes in his game. And that's a great place to be, looking at all the money you can make now, playing professional golf. And hopefully at some point he cracks, you know, breaks through and gets a win. And I will say I did learn this over, um, over the last couple of weeks. Bud Colley, I was right about that. He is definitely hitting it really well, playing great. Good. And about to make his comeback on a medical exemption. And I hear that they're bullish on how he, they think he's going to play. That'd be awesome. Man, I'd love to see Bud get back out there and, and make some hay. All right, I still want to get to you about uh, LPGA Tour and Alabama golf, but you, you alluded to having an update on the PGA Tour live uh, collaboration. What's the latest? Yeah, just they had a the framework meetings that had sort of uh, bottomed out have rebegun, and uh, which we all thought that was going to happen. And I think that's why you know I guess you saw Liv picked up Terrell Hatton uh, today officially and got him for you know sixty million, which is a lot for him given eyeballs he can bring. But they rounded out John Rahm's team. They're trying to get Anthony Kim. I mean, they almost got loved. They almost got uh, Victor Hovland, and they and really just the reason is they all know these guys are going to come back. They're all going to get back together. And so, PJ Tour and Live Golf together were in New York last week, um, privately, uh, working on these this new framework agreement, how that's going to look. And you know, the PJ Tour continues to lose leverage in this as Liv continues to pick off players. I don't know how many more they're going to get now. 
Um, but, you know, it looks like I've said that a bunch before. And uh, they continue to get them. So if Anthony Kim would be a real shot in the arm for eyeballs, and he's thinking about making his return to golf after 12 years away and that insurance policy that he's cashed in on. Yeah. Yeah. Now let me ask you, that to me, that's, you know, he, he insurance policy and workman's comp and all that. If he comes back to work, does he, does he not have to pay any of that money back? No, it was a 10 year. It was one of those like Lloyd to London 10 year type policies. So he got paid out 30. What you read on there is wrong. It's more like 30 something million dollars that he would get that he's gotten already after 10 years. And I think he had a, like, like a grace period year. This is why it's year 12. So it's, uh, he has the ability to come back now and play. He had an injury okay. and he didn't play. I mean, he, he sat his time out. He hasn't played golf in 12 years, but his apparently his game is there and where he can play. And he is obviously a needle. <laughs> Everyone's going to want him. He's been talking to both, but yeah. it's funny that, you know, there's not a lot of discussion with them. It's, if you want to come, we'd love to have you. We're going to pay you uh, because they know they're buying the, the the agreement to get done by controlling the leverage in the deal, meaning they the live tour. But I agree with you. If live would ever come around, golf probably been a better place to an extent. Um, I hate all the disruption that, that's happened, but you know, if I'm in the player's shoes, it's work. You know, my boss is being a dictator, and and treating us like that and not taking care of caddies and not taking care of this. I mean, just on and on and on and not really trying to look at the game as a whole. Then I guess somebody had to say something and someone did. So I think it's going to be better for us next year for all golf fans because they're all going to get back together. Uh, but, but I think we've got a, a lot of really good golf ahead. They kick off this week. Liv does at Mayakoba. Um, and you might see they got a little bit of a different format this year. And then uh, I think it by the Masters, we'll have some type of agreement for the most part worked out of getting these two back together for the start of next year. There's just too much on on the line for it. Live gains television contract, PGA Tour gains stability and the dollars they need as their equity partner. Casey Smith on golf for a couple more minutes. Uh, let's get to Alabama golf. Because obviously, with Nick Dunlap, they're one of the favorites to win the national championship. Uh, without Nick Dunlap, it's a good team. Uh, I think it'll be a very competitive team, but it changes um, significantly what what the expectations are for for, in my opinion, for this this team this year. Uh, what do you see from Alabama golf without Nick Dunlap, who is a true superstar? Well, I mean, it, it, you know, Cannon Claycomb is now going to be taking on the role of, of carrying the team, and I think they probably both were doing that. And, um, and you know, opportunity knocks for someone. All these guys have been playing golf all their life. If they're there at Alabama, they're good enough to play in the SEC and compete. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it's it's almost like losing – a star quarterback in any other sport or a star guard or your star yeah. player in basketball or whatever, it, it'll be hard to overcome that. And I think that I think they all understand this is what you've been, you know, at night, early in the morning when you were five, six, 11, 13, however old you were, all those putts you've made those, you know, to win this or to win that tour event or to win the masters or to win at Pebble beach. It's here for him. And I, I think you saw everyone supporting and encouraging that because his lifelong dream, yeah, it may have come a few months early 
and heard a little bit of Alabama's men's golf team, but I think everyone has to say they would do the same thing if given or if earning that opportunity. I don't say given because he definitely earned that. Um, that's my sort of hot take on that. I, I you know, transitioning state and Alabama athletics, very, very, very excited about Alabama basketball, how they're trending two big wins, Alabama over Auburn and LSU. So I'm you know, first in the SEC and Alabama football, uh, getting Ryan Williams, it was a big deal in terms of momentum. It really reminded me of Julio Jones to Nick Saban. Nick Saban getting him was one of his first recruits. I think that sends a message across the state. Everyone in Alabama, or me even living in Georgia, knows how good Ryan Williams has been the last few years. And so uh, I think that's a big deal for Coach DeBoer and his staff. All right, Casey Smith, uh, LPGA Tour, and, and really Justin uh, reminded me of this this morning. Really, two of the bigger names, uh, Kelly, uh, Nellie Corda and, and Lydia Ko, uh having a shootout. Corda was in good shape, almost blew it, but wins in a playoff and keeping Ko from qualifying for the Hall of Fame. So, a uh, great weekend on the LPGA Tour down in Florida. Yeah, and I watched a little bit of that. Those two are, are obviously superstars in, in the ladies' game and move, um, you know, deep playoff. They played almost another nine holes in the playoff. Uh, Lydia Cole getting the Hall of Fame, it's just a matter of when. I mean, she's just so young. But Nellie Corda might, might have the best golf swing in all of golf. Um, easy to watch, rhythmic. I mean, it's just she really does everything, everything great, and she's 25 years old. Um, obviously her dad won the I think, French Open in, in tennis and brother plays professional tennis and sister plays professional golf. So, you know, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But uh, I think I, I watched where uh, Kevin Kisner, you know, he played in some event with Nellie Corda last year and heard him even when he was in the booth a couple weeks ago talking about, like, I don't know if I've played with anybody on PGA Tour that hits it as good as her, swings it as good as her, everything is just – so straight when she's on, uh, and and Lydia Ko, I've actually seen her play a couple of times years back when we were in Callaway, and she's just she chokes up on the club crazily to me, and just hits it so straight and such a good putter, uh, golf prodigy. So um, yeah, congrats to Nellie Corda. she's a superstar. Awesome, Casey. Great update. We covered pretty much uh, everything in golf for this week, and of course, look forward next week to. Uh, Having you recap the uh, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-M. And I, I'm going to go out on a – I'm going to make a bold prediction. I don't think Nick Dunlap is going to win, but I do think he'll get a top 15. I'll tell you what, if he does top 15 or 20, he, he's not going to be happy if he doesn't win. But if he takes – if he plays as good as either of us pick, he's going to be – his agent and caddy and, <laughs> and everyone else are going to be thrilled. And those guys out there are going to know they better saddle up because he is one of those – that is going to make a lot of money, and that means he's taking a lot of money out of their pockets. Well, he's special. There's no doubt about it. Thank you, Casey. Yes, sir. Take care. All right, 10.52. We've got to take a break and come back and wrap up this edition of the Gary Harris Show, and uh, we'll do that next right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. You're home for Alabama sports. Fast break, Catch every game and every moment right here. This is your home of Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All 
right, 1055, we're going to squeeze Robert in from Birmingham real quickly before we close it out. Good morning, Robert. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Doing great. That was a great game Saturday night. I was uh, very – really was. Coach Oates, getting them – that should have been a game. They, they should, we should have been flat. We were not flat. We came out the first half and played pretty good. She just played great as well. So it was, uh, that was a great coaching effort, in my opinion. Um, well, have you heard the, the scuttlebutt? There's a certain school about uh, where Bama lost their game last year. Is uh, the Louisville is coming after Coach Hart, Coach Oates hard, hard, real hard. They've Louisville's like been really, 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 really bad the last two years, and like a, a equivalent of Alabama going in football going four and eight. Yeah, no, they're horrible. They're hor- they're horrible, and Kenny Payne okay, is not going to make gonna, it. That's uh, clear. But where are you hearing all this about Louisville coming after Coach Oates hard? Uh, about eight to ten grand, I'm eight to ten million, big, a bigger NIL, better arena. All right, I mean, where did you hear this or see this? Is what I'm asking, Robert. I, I can't, I can't tell you. Okay. Um, it may, if you if you connect the dots, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's you know, they're, 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 imagine Alabama football being bad for like really bad two years in a row or three. We, we, you know, as, as you always say, too many people care about it, right? Mm-hmm. So many people care about Louisville basketball. And, um, well, I understand that. I, I, I get it. I know. I know what kind of program they have, and I know where they're at right now. They've bottomed out. I get that. But, I, uh, uh, you know, I don't think it's a given just because somebody comes and offers Nate Oates a job that he's going to take it. Uh, I think Alabama will do what they can to try to keep him, and I do know that he's very happy here, and he enjoys coaching in the SEC. He enjoys this job. So I'm not saying that you're wrong by any means, but I don't think it's a, just a given, too, that if – that if that transpires down the road, first of all, they have to fire the coach that they have, and um, you know I don't think it's a given that he would leave. And we, we can increase his salary, we can uh, we can ra- raise the nil. We can't get a new building built in 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 a year. And another thing you don't know, and we I don't know the answer to this. Does he care that we're a football school? Does he want to be top billing? You know, and I don't know the answer to that. You know, does he does he care playing second fiddle football? I'm not, I don't I don't know the. I don't know the answer to that. So, All right. Well, we'll just have to wait and let time unwind that. Because like I said, there's a lot of, uh, you know, possibilities there, but nothing's set in stone right now. First of all, Kenny Payne's still the coach at Louisville, Robert. So we'll see what happens. Thank you, my friend. All right. That's going to wrap it up for the show. It's been brought to you by – this hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. And I got to get out of here. I'm a little bit over the time. But uh, talk to you again in the morning with the Tuesday edition of the Gary Harris Show. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.